With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, my name is Joel Sked and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, the podcast which takes pleasure in this disastrous defending, ghastly goalkeeping and simply shitting the bed. Unfortunately, Duncan Mackay is not on to provide a seamless link here, but I am joined by someone who has witnessed plenty of disastrous defending, Gary Cocker. Dundee kept a clean sheet, I'll have you know, at the weekend. I've still witnessed a lot of them. Yes, yes that's true, yeah. And a man who has seen his fair share of ghastly goalkeeping, Tony Anderson. Hello, Joel. Welcome to my life. How are we doing? <laughs> Good. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of get some advice from you how to deal with some ghastly goalkeeping uh, later on in the show when we come to a particular incident. But we're going to kick off with. I mean, before we go, can we talk about where we are, Joel? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> bloody hell! This is the, um, um, this is the real life. We've made it. If everything goes swimmingly, we'll have recorded in a podcast studio at the Scotsman. Towers and it's proper, so we're, we're we're sitting with headphones on, big mics in in front of our face. Very comfortable chairs. Very as comfortable well. chairs. Proper cushion in there. There's even soundproofing round the room. It's it's looks really weird soundproofing. Yeah, what's it say? Acoustics on it. It just looks like someone's uh, stapled cushions to the wall. Fair enough. It's, it's basically what Fowler used to do in his old house. <laughs> except, that was, except that was uh, in front of the window to keep the sun out. Yeah, I mean, from, from when I first done the podcast, I know we say this quite a lot, from Fowler's old gaff to now, wow. Yeah. Who would have, it's like that Paul Rudd meme. Who would have thought it? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> there, there's, there's something amiss about Fowler's old stamping ground. Stomping ground? It's definitely stomping. Stomping ground, don't know what I said. Maybe he collected stamps, I don't know. (laughs) No, he definitely didn't, but he did collect, uh, well, I wouldn't say collect, he had dust. (laughs) He had a lot of dust, rubbish, (laughs) a lot of DVDs, um, a lot of... Jack Daniels bottles with candles in the top of them. Yeah, he did like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And one 
Edinburgh bus timetable. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that night that got taken. An absolute lad humour right there, isn't yep. it? Oh, look, look, check the bus time. Way. Um, it wasn't really a stomping ground for Fowler. I remember pretty much every one of his friends had had sex on his couch before he had. <laughs> That is that is a complete truth as well. I, I, I'd rather you didn't bring that up because I spent one night on his couch. <laughs> well, a lot of people have had sex on there, including okay. me, Joe. Anyway. Your face reminds me of Stephen Gerrard's face last night. <laughs> Thank you, Gary, for that. Setting Seamless. me up for our first game as we look back at the midweek action from the Scottish Premiership. Kilmarnock 2, Rangers 1. Are we all in agreement that Rangers have truly shit the bed and that is a title race over? Celtic lead It's a real theme, real theme you're bringing through this. <laughs> I, mean, I think we should all be in agreement that they should stop going to Dubai for their winter breaks. This is the second season on the trot that they've gone into the winter break looking like they could run Celtic all the way to the title, maybe even pip them at the post. And it's the second year in a row that they've come back and just looked maybe if Steven, Yeah, Maybe if Stephen Jarrett stops telling them to empty the tank the game before uh, the January window, um, then the January break, then maybe they'll have something left in the tank when they get back. What did you make? Did, did you all uh, see the game or these highlights? I've seen the highlights. I was at the Hibs game last night, but yeah, I saw the highlights and uh, Rangers really just didn't look impressive at all. They didn't seem to create a lot of chances. The chances that they did create, sort of the Morelos one that hit the bar, for instance, that just came from pretty much a long ball over the top. Um, I think the, the, um, Jack was back last night uh, and that was quite nice to say um, but uh, they've really really missed him allowing it, like playing through the lines they don't seem to be able to move through the pitch like they were before their possession based game isn't what it was and something I've really noticed about Rangers is um, they've the, the goals for set pieces have really dried up uh, since they came back I think they got one against Hibbs when it bounced around the box and the guy managed to put it in the um, Edmondson. Edmondson put it into the net, but on the whole, they've re- and there was like that was a huge theme in, in the opening part of the season where they scored a hell of a lot of goals. All their mid- all their defenders were involved, and also just for the early cross in the box, maybe that's Tavernier's back now, uh, so that might help them. But um, and with Morelos being suspended for large periods, and I'm and I'm going to assume Morelos mentally isn't going to be in the right place, and that's not a criticism of him, and that's something that. Um, as uh, outside influences, but I would also argue that Rangers have put him under immense strain with a lot of the things that have been going on recently. And with the selfishness of Jermaine Defoe getting injured as well. Yeah, absolutely. Terrible. Um, but I also noticed that Rangers were missing Barisic last night uh, in more a ways than one. Yeah, a noticeable difference. Yep. Um, because obviously Andy Halliday, I would say that it would be fine to play Halliday at a pinch or in a pinch when you really need to. Um, but for me, you know, Barisic is that sort of X factor going forward that, you know, Tony, you talked about set pieces. I think that having Barisic there to, you know, put the deliveries into the box would make a big difference. Absolutely. And it, it is, I've, I've never thought about that's a really good point about it. Like both, I've thought about Barisic, but the, the, the set pieces, because you look at Rangers scored a lot of goals. I think they were kind of keeping, it was them and the Celtic were very close to each other in terms of, goals scored and you look at the table now Celtic have scored a lot more goals than Rangers they've got goals from everywhere Callum McGregor scored in the game James Forrest uh, it's double figures Ryan Christie scored again last uh, last night Odson Edward Lee Griffiths is back uh, they've, they've got goals from a lot of places that's dried up that because you had Morelos you have Defoe and that set piece danger and now it looks like Rangers can't kind of quite finish teams off yesterday against Kelly they 
they played. I think they played okay in the first half. They were certainly in control. Scott Arfield scored a great goal. There never looked like any danger of Kilmarnock scoring. And then it seemed the halftime whistle would just a switch went, and Ranger just seemed to get deeper and deeper. Perhaps allied by uh, Kilmarnock being a bit more adventurous or pushing both of their full backs, uh, backs up. You've seen it with the goal, Hamelainen having that shot, Stephen O'Donnell scored him. And they, they looked to put a bit more pressure, play higher up the higher up the pitch. And there were, it was a very confident second half performance by Kelly, which we'll get on to speaking about. But there is I think I think there's a lot of scratching of the head amongst Rangers fans because there was criticism of Steven Gerrard in the second half that when the game wasn't going in their favour that he didn't make the necessary changes to to, uh, to, to kind of swing it back. I think there's also someone, um, going back to what you're saying about the certain types of individuals in the team, like when Morelos not performing now, uh, well, not being in the team and also not scoring goals, this, is, this screams a lot to me about Ryan Kent. Um, these should be times where Ryan Kent is sort of taking it by the scuff of the neck and going on and when they're struggling and they're in these tighter games that they have been since the winter break that he should be much more um, involved in, in with actual raw output of goals and assists if a guy's coming for 7 million into Scottish football I'm wanting for a winger of 7 million coming to Rangers I'm wanting 15 goals and 15-20 assists minimum and, and, and he's nowhere near that now, and I'd be wanting him to be actually winning games uh, when when the going gets tough. And I don't, he doesn't seem to ever really do that. And um, I, I think people could have saw that last season. Is Kent was very good, but wasn't that good? He is definitely. He should be a double double player in terms of. Uh, Double figures for assists, double figures for goals. He is not in the top ten of either in the league, going by the SPFL stat centre. That's. I mean, I, I didn't know that offhand, but that, that's. I was. Well, I was glad you checked. I was wondering if that was just perception of me, but uh, I've not really seen him. I mean, the, the last involvement I can think of was his goal against Hearts Ham- and the Hamilton goal. That he had a little period during that when he scored quite a lot of goals. Yeah. yeah. So against the bottom two sides. <laughs> yeah. So flat uh, track bully. Yeah. No, he is. He's someone who always look. He always looks like he's. He kind of reminds me of a much better Billy Mackay who always looks like he's on the verge of doing something fantastic or of really dominating games, but he just doesn't have that follow-through. Let's move on to Kilmarnock. They were, like, like I mentioned earlier, second half, they, they were fantastic. You had Eamon Brophy, who I really enjoyed watching. It was a, a kind of a real performance from Brophy of kind of last season or when it was that real nuisance. Uh, I think he scored four goals in his last three games or five in his last three, uh, and... His, I think his goal was very much deserved, but there were so many times when he just get the ball. It was just the ball to Brophy, and as soon as the ball went, every uh, Celtic fan knew, uh, all of us watching knew what he was going to do. Uh, he knew what he was going to do. He was going to get the ball, turn and shoot, and he won quite a few corners just from doing that, and it kept the pressure mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, on Rangers, so they couldn't quite get out and play in the play in the final third or in Kelly's half. So they were always. Just Brophy doing that, just running them, just and Kabamba as well. They were able to just kind of pin Rangers back. I think Kabamba's taking a lot of pressure off Brophy, and you can <laughs> see that. And he, he's sort of enjoying his football a bit more than he was. I think Craig Anderson off air when just in our general chat made a really good point, and he's probably going to be angry that I've used it because he probably had it nestled away for the next time he was on. 
But um, so the the trials and tribulations that Brophy's went through the season and the teams went through, and the fact that he's had to sort of add more to his game that he did last season, it could actually end up being really really beneficial for Brophy overall as a player, which ultimately will will, will help Kilmarnock. Um, but yeah, Kabamba's been a, a like sort of decent signing for them in, in in terms of the way that he's brought Brophy on. Similar to like maybe at Celtic, they're bringing Griffiths back in. It's sort of elevated Edward's performance. You can see something similar here, but like that's 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 um, Kilmarnock teams looking strong again. When you look at that mm-hmm. as the eleven, when you've got O'Donnell back, Del Fabro's fit again, Finley's back, Hamelainen who's been up and down, but overall looks like a, a pretty solid left back. You've got Burke back in, Power and Dicker, and then McKenzie. See that's that's sort of more looking like what you feel you can hang your hat on as as a Kilmarnock side that's going to be putting results together and maybe pushing back into the top six. You uh, see, you seen it. You've seen it in that second half that this was a team gaining confidence with. Just with every second that they played, some of the control that they had in terms of the game, well, it was in possession or just possession of uh, of the pitch, was, was excellent. And they're actually... I mean, with Gary Dicker, who was fantastic last night, and likes of Alan Power, they're an aggressive team. They 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 let you, they let the opposition know they're in for a game. They're really competitive, but they can play football. Absolutely. I also think that it's. Uh, I mean, we'll come on to talk about St. Johnson later on tonight, but I think that the last couple of weeks have seen that bottom six become more of a bottom four. Yes. Um, so there were a couple of weeks ago you were looking at it and going, anybody from the top six could still be in trouble, but you've begun to see that little bit of stratification that little bit of movement within the league both teams coming down a little bit as well um, but also importantly for Kilmarnock just getting enough points on the board that it's difficult to see them getting dragged into trouble again Before we move, sorry, before we move on I think we talk about um, just the goals in general obviously Arfield's goal was brilliant and now seems to be adding something to his game even though Joel's face is making me think he's thinking uh, Koprovic with the uh, poor goalkeeper now <laughs> I can see why he was caught out. The ball moved. It was a great strike from Arfield, uh, following on from his great strike against Hamilton. And I think he's been he's been a good player for Rangers since he's came back in. But it just looked very suspect that that al- doesn't move as well. He, yeah, he almost, it's never a good look. He almost yeah, he, he just it's like he almost gave up. Which is uh, which is not what you want your goalkeeper to do when facing a shot. <laughs> I mean, there seems to be a lot of these goalkeepers kicking around Scottish football at the <laughs> moment. Uh, and then, but then I like I, really, I like O'Donnell's goal. Uh, I like O'Donnell the handball in it. Yeah, well, that wasn't a handball. Yeah. Um, even if it does scuff, I don't think he's pulling his arm away. It was just the position it was in. I thought it was a handball. Yeah, he, he's very lucky for it not to be given because it looks very much like that, and it takes closer inspection where you can see. Maybe you can see where it could go both ways with a decision. But on first look, why is your arm up there? And I think he realises it. I think he tries to pull his arm out of the way. But I really liked O'Donnell at the goal because he, he keeps it alive, doesn't he, on yeah. the wide. And then he's miles off the pitch. And then it's he's very sneaky, yeah. Uh, it's smart, like sneaking on and finding a position in the box where he can have an impact. And I think Hamelin and shooting there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think but so. it turns out to be an absolutely brilliant, perfect ball. And O'Donnell puts it away and then... <laughs> I think Brophy's finish is is, is great. It's the like, defending, but Goldson just—it's just—he's so ball watching. It's actually scandalous. He, he, I, wa- I watched it really closely the three times. He never takes his eye off the ball once. He has no idea where Brophy is, even though Brophy's about what, a meter away from him. If that, it's you can't you can't win you can't win trophies if you're defending as is as basic or schoolboy as that. It's <laughs> like Katic going for a header. He's probably not going to win. It was one of those where just just let Kabam have it. If he gets the ball and turns, 
it's not much of a danger. But if you commit yourself and he wins a flick on, then you're out of the game. And it was, I think it also showed how basic it was by the fact that BT had to cut back to it really quickly to catch the goal as well because yeah. they were obviously expecting it to be dealt with yeah. and out, out of nowhere just running along ah, it's a lovely yeah. finish though and I, I like a very confident finish because he takes it early and it's like a coach's dream style driving it right across the goalkeeper at the far corner and then he continues his will I mean that man is very much wanting to build a brand <laughs> uh, as he continues um, on his career I move to Motherwell next which is who we'll talk about next as the Travelled to St Johnston and were defeated 2-1, which means they have dropped to, well, they dropped to fourth place on Tuesday night after Aberdeen's win, but they stay there. St Johnston have all but secured their safety for uh, next season. It's been a, a real turnaround at, St, uh, at McDermott Park. When you think about just uh, towards the end of the transfer window, they lost Matty Kennedy. Tommy Wright had his rant about the club's recruitment and the kind of contract situation. He seemed like it was almost it was almost one of those where is this a manager who's just getting to the end of his tether, working yeah. working his ticket, yeah, and getting I excuses mean, in. I think with St Johnson, I I think I actually read them the last rights about October, November time. and said no, no, they've got the century death. They're going down. They're absolutely not going down. Um, and you can see just Tommy Wright's experience coming out of it as well. Um, thank you for that. We're, you can tell that we're still in the new studio because the microphone was slowly moving away from it. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's... Um, as now well you know Christoph Benner feels. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, come back. Um, but I think as well as St. Johnson moving towards safety, I think what you've seen is Motherwell, you know, Motherwell fans were talking um, and not in the usual jokey way but they were talking about you know Europe and obviously that is still very much a possibility for them uh, given that Aberdeen are Aberdeen um, and you know eventually they are going to come out with this little funk that they're in at the moment um, but they're one like Rangers who since the winter break I mean you can't count a cup game against Dundee as anything approaching a <laughs> uh, contribution to form but they um, obviously they dropped points to or they lost to Hamilton just before the break yep. Um They've drawn with Hibs in so an th- awful game. I think in the league it's been 1-1-6. One, one yep. Um, so, you know, they're on a pretty bad run at the moment. Um, I mean, they've, they did bring in Aarons from Newcastle. In he doesn't seem to have the legs yet. He's no. going to need to, I think the, Graham um, was talking about that last week. He needs to get I up think and running. Again, going back to what you said about Kent, he does seem like one of those kind of wide men who, who looks good, but maybe doesn't quite deliver, which his talent suggests he should. Mm-hmm. But at least, unlike Seedorf, you know he looks good um, <laughs> because uh, I think he's he's clearly been brought in to try and keep Seedorf away from mm. the starting eleven. It's not been. It's, you're looking at the transfer window of all the twelve teams, and you could argue that Motherwell have had the worst transfer window because they've lost Devante Cole, who went back to Wigan. I think they sold him on, and they they lost James Scott, which is fair enough because the money there was was really oh, you good. Turn that down. You, yeah. you couldn't turn that down, and <clears throat> it gives the player an opportunity to develop. That's he's out to the end of the season now. I read who James Scott. Yeah, he's oh, went yeah, down. He's got he injured. Right training training. Oh, which I was quite upset because I was at one of those. I was very interested. I was going to keep an eye and on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to be interested. But lo- losing those two forward players has really dented what what they can do so you've seen it against St John's you've seen the goal they they conceded as they they tried to build out from the back they got uh, Donnelly I think had his uh, pocket picked fantastic finish by Henry but Mm -hmm. It bounces about. Henry yeah. tries to make a pass, and then it comes yeah, yeah. and it comes back out to him, and then it's a cracking finish. It's, yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Uh, but the the, the issue with uh, Motherwell is, I think they've they, they kind of ran out of ideas just with, without Scott and Cole. That I think they, they seem a bit confused. 
Peter Hartley and Declan, like, Declan Gallagher. Like pass, it's, it's one of those where they pass it about the back. They're trying to build, and it ends up they just they just clip, clip it long. And I think it's I think it's a frustrating time for for Motherwell fans, but they have got a favourable run coming up because I think they play Hamilton, St Johnston, Ross County, and Hearts. Sorry, they play the bottom four: Hearts, Hamilton, St Mirren, and uh, they, they, Ross, they, County. Ross County in their next four games. St Johnston, though. Um, well, St Johnston, I think they they looked really, really strong. I mean, Kerr uh, looked like he was playing almost in a forward position. Uh, nah, the amount he was involved in, in going forward. I think that I don't know if that that winning goal where he, he looked like a captain, just just taking the game by scruff and night, really stepping up when it matters. And I think it showed maybe the the, the change in mentality at St Johnston, where maybe the it wasn't going from in a in a forward sense, but he really showed that ambition to actually want to go and win that. Yeah, to absolutely. Win, to win that game. But in the highlights, I thought St Johnston looked pretty impressive, to be honest. Xander uh, Clark aside. Yeah, Xander Clark aside. But uh, yeah, and like I see Ali McCann's um, obviously continue. I know he didn't score again, but he looked like he was really involved. Mm-hmm. He looks such an intelligent player. I'm actually getting really excited about Ali McCann in general. I said I was really disappointed, frankly, when he signed that new contract just as a. Um, as a Hibs fan, yeah. I was thinking he's that's one of those that you could maybe steal away because you're slightly <laughs> you're a bigger club. I will. I, will, I certainly. I was. I was intrigued to see how. Uh, I was intrigued to see if he would have waited to the end of the uh, end of the. Sorry, waited until January when he had six months left in his deal, and then see what offers came in because I think every single club in Scotland would have been at least casting a glance at him. And then he's and since he got that new contract, he's actually grown even more. He's now added goals to his game. And I know, as I said, I know he didn't score, but he looked heavily involved yeah. in the box. Uh, and he, his touch is really good. And I say that he seems like really intelligent. He makes good decisions. The, the, the big one, uh, sorry, the, the thing that interests me about McCann is that at the start of the season, he came into the team and he was the really only positive uh, after a, a really kind of poor start. And Tommy Wright always kind of pinpointed pinpointed his influence he mentioned really early in the season that he was actually an attacking midfielder but he brought him back and played him deeper and he was because he was the only uh, he was the only player he had available to him who would get the ball control it and switch play and can kind of direct the team and now you see because they've got a bit more solidity in midfield him push forward and probably getting the best out of him so he's, he's kind of had both of those yeah I think with, with Kennedy Kennedy being uh, so there's, there's left room for more players to sort of move into more forward positions including uh, including David Wotherspoon who's yeah. had a renaissance the last few days yeah, yeah. he's fantastic against Hearts the other week I couldn't believe it and just going back to what we said at the start it's amazing how quickly things change because yes. as you said Tommy Wright was looking um, like a man on the way out um, not by the club's choice but by his own sort of volition he didn't look like he um was really into it anymore but then um he's since obviously brought in McCart and Rooney as well mm-hmm. so you can see that this is almost a new iteration of St Johnson yes yeah, so McCart came in Rooney's pre-contract, uh, pre-contract yeah. Yeah. yeah um so you know you've got this uh, new blood coming in um you've got youngsters coming through who are impressing um Chris Kane will be at McDermott Park until 2062 or something <laughs> he's never ever I ever think he'd be their loose season yeah what but except not be Louis Stevenson isn't always crap. Well, Kane McKin- scored the winner yeah, in this game, and, yeah. I th- I think, and, and it was well taken as well. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was a good finish. Although I think I think some are suggesting it might be known goal, but one goal it wasn't. It was certainly Hendry. There was there's so many players I would like to pick out from St Johnston, but Hendry he, he he's got a bit of the Lyndon Dykes about him. 
he looks like a real nuisance, and he, he looks like he really enjoys that physical battle with defenders. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's a, that's a really important trait in a striker in in Scottish football because uh, people do we do like mixing it up. That's not a criticism; it's part of the reason that uh, I enjoy it so much personally. So I think it is really important when you see young strikers coming through who who are into it. And you always think you, you're going to go far in this country. But it's been interesting looking at the St. Johnson team. The Tanzer's not was not playing. I think that's a good decision. I don't think Tanzer's had a particularly good season at all. Um, Gordon didn't play May on the bench. And from what I saw, I think that was arguably one of looked like one of St. Johnson's best performances this season. Second half white. Second yeah. half, definitely. Uh, and with uh, Motherwell, yeah, I know they're not playing at their best. And I know another bit going back to them, I know it's a big issue for Motherwell is that they used to have alternatives, and I think that really helps keeping players on their toes uh, especially the forward areas if it's not working being able to change it say it's not so much there they brought in Polworth who I'm surprised they're not playing um, I, I know he's not been great sometimes but I think uh, when you're a team like Motherwell and you've got guys like Hilton and Long who are able to stretch the game so well a guy like Polworth picking out the passes similar to like Scott Allen at Hibs where even when he's not playing at his best, it's hard to make, take him out of the team because he can do something really quickly um, Right uh, before we move on Xander Clark. I once let a goal like that in, but I was playing in a uni Sunday league game, and I'm not you a goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's no excuse. I don't know what he was thinking. I think I don't know if he just thought I'll be able to stop it with my hand, or if he thought it was going wide. It was, it was so, it just it was so brushes bizarre. his fingers, and then it's the delayed reaction of. You would think as a goalie, if you went like that and it went past you, Get you would back. immediately turn around, spin, just try and do whatever you could. But it was he waited until it had gone over the line and went and thought, shit. Yeah. Um, I, I seen a comment on Pine Bovril that uh, tickled me. It was Xander's attempt at saving that was like an adult playing football with a child and making half-hearted attempts at saving the shots. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, actually, now that you say it. It reminds me of when the mascots are in goals yeah. at football <laughs> yeah, and the wee kids. They shit. just dive over the yeah, ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe we don't put Xander Clark in goals for Scotland. We keep that simple. By the way, Mazinga's dive. In no, we, uh, what are you doing? It was so bad. It's just, I don't, like, diving, it's not a good part of the game, I get it, but I can still enjoy it sometimes yeah. when it's been, uh, I can, uh, that, that sort of darker side of you can sometimes appreciate it, but uh, it was just, it was absolutely shocking. I, I, th- I think I prefer these dives more, but it's just ludicrous. Like, you, it you, you don't even look like you've pra- They think they've been practicing it, you, 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 training and practicing it. You can see what he was thinking, folks. He had two St. Johnson players, mm. and he thought there's a wee gap between them. If it just go right through them, the ref won't have a yeah. clue. But doing that on a yellow is mad, but, you know. Well, hopefully Tony, Watt, is mad. hopefully Tony Watt can come into Motherwell and we can get Motherwell back on track for the sake of Graham's heart. From Tony Watt to the Tony Macaroni Arena. Oh, yes. Livingston 2, St Mirren 1. Are Livingston heading to Europe? Well, they're only four points off fourth at the moment. And third. Well, yeah, four points off third. Fourth yeah. and third. <laughs> uh, even more importantly, um, I think that's now six home wins on the bounce. <laughs> for St Mirren as well. They've, Ooh. I mean... That result should have been the easiest one to pick out because St Mirren have only won away once all season. Coming up against a team that's got, it must be about the third best home record. It must be. In, uh, in Scottish football. You mean it wouldn't um, be too difficult to see Livingston in Europe because the fact is if you end up winning like 14, 15 of your home games, then you're, you're definitely yeah. doing well even regardless of any other results really. Mm-hmm. And, the, and when you look at it, this is the perfect season to take advantage of. Hearts being shit. Hibs being mediocre, Aberdeen regressing under McInnes, Motherwell where it looked like they were in pole position starting. This is this is an ideal ideal position for Livingston to, to thrive. And you look at you, 
you look at back to the January transfer window and they were the one team who you thought they don't really need to strengthen they, they just maybe need to add depth or if a player comes available who's better than someone else in the in the division but it wasn't a they didn't need major rebuilding or major reshaping they've they've had the stability in the in the dugout kind of off the field it's a surprise for Livingston and then you go on the field as well so there's there's just a real there's there's a nice um, equilibrium I think one of the key things for them in January was keeping hold of Lyndon Dykes. Oh, yes. Because yeah. there was talk of, um, I think, before Cam Berry Rangers, went, yeah. it mm. was, you know, who are they going to sign to replace Defoe? Uh, and Dykes was the name that was being mentioned. And if you look at him in this game, it's pretty, it's patently obvious why he was being linked with him. He is such a strength to them. And I think that between him and Stevie Lawless, that could be the guys that drive them into Europe. Fingers, I mean, obviously I'd prefer Hibs to make it, but I'd be quite excited to see Livingston oh, great, time, yeah. uh, with the way that they've done it. I'd uh, love to see Steve Lawson's promotional videos for his games against European <laughs> teams. <laughs> yeah, he'd be very excited. <laughs> you know, they, and that'd be, that might be a great, because they've got players that are going out of contract and they'll have guys that have the, a European campaign might be getting someone like, um, I think Lawson's out of contract at the end La- of the season. La- Lawson is, they've got, so Lawson, they've got Lawless, Pittman, uh, three of the uh, left go as well, I think four players who are out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing that would maybe tantalise them to want yeah. to stick around. Uh, Pittman's a great example of someone who was quite an industrious player, he was always good, but he's added a lot more to his, his game this season and is, is really coming to his own. And it's exciting when you see players really do that. It's exciting, Craig Fowler's talked about it a lot, but Craig Sibold, again, he's I think he's at times dropped in and out of the team, but when he has, he's had a strong influence. I think he had, had a big game yesterday. Obviously, Dykes got the headlines, uh, won the penalty, scored a, a lovely goal. Mm. But uh, Sibold, and it would be with like players coming on, uh, uh, moving to and from Livingston, Sibold's got a new contract. It would be interesting to see what he can do with a, like a, not, maybe not a team built around him, but to be a key cog in a team. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it was a, it was a really good result because I think Sibold have looked sort of better in recent weeks uh, and I know obviously their away form isn't great but they came to Easter Road and they were 2-0 up in 15 minutes and uh, despite Hibs sort of having an up and down season at, ho- at home Hibs are, are pretty strong they mm. don't lose a lot of games uh, so they've been looking great but I, uh, the, the thing for them is they've been pretty solid at the back and in this game they certainly were and it was really simple to get it. I think all the goals were really quite I liked McPherson's pass for um, yeah. St Mirren's goal but mm-hmm. I still thought it was far too easy and I mean for Livingston's goal you don't really get to see it in the highlights it quite how um, for Dykes' one-on-one goal from the highlights to see um, if it's a counter-attack um, but I mean they're able to make a pass to the middle of the team from midway inside their own half and he's one-on-one with the goalie uh, and scoring and then similar McPherson from St Mirren's goal he's near just inside the centre circle and he's threading a pass through and, and a because one-on-one with the goalie and uh, was it Brown at yeah. Livingston I mean he looked very slow That's that, that was my worry when they signed him he was, he was very cumbersome but but you did talk about uh, St Mirren there I think they've only been hammered or well beaten in two games this season Mullowell away and Hearts away oh. so remarkably but they are when you look at them Jim Goodwin they, they look like the type of team that Jim Goodwin you'd expect Jim Goodwin to build, yeah. build because they're really aggressive they're physical they're uh, but in a good way they're really competitive I love Sam Foley in the middle of midfield and that's I think that's going to stand them in good stead they've had their issues with creating chances scoring goals I think it's going to stand them in good stead in the relegation battle because of the fact that they're really competitive and they are well organised and they can stay in games and by staying in games you can nick a, nick a result even if it was one or three points even one point 
because you've got that buffer to Hearts and Hibs, is, 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 sorry, Hearts and Hamilton, it's, is, is really important. Like, it could be imperative just yeah. being able to nick those draws. And like with someone like Dermis, uh, has sort of looked better in recent weeks, uh, and they've got Abika, who out of all the sort of jobbing strikers in the bottom half of the league, he looks like the most potent and the most sort of reliable for getting mm. you goals on a semi-regular basis, uh, doing again last night. So yeah, with the more and more, and if you look again, interesting enough for them, they're leaving bigger names on the bench, similar to what I was talking about with St Johnston, arguably, like they've got McAllister left on the bench, Tony Andrews now being left on the bench, Cody Cook's on the bench. Uh, is, did they sign Wallace? They've signed. They signed. Uh, uh, they signed Ross Wallace, Ross Wallace this oh, week. And then that. So that I would say, if you if you're looking at it and you've got maybe a front three of Dermis continuing in his form, Abika, and then and Wallace playing on the right. I mean, that sounds that's that's not getting relegated out of the Scottish Premiership. I would argue. And then you're saying Foley, McPherson's looking better. Um, they just have to make, keep trying and hold that sort of defensiveness that they've had all season, and they should be just about all right. And that's when it starts getting worrying for. Hearts and Hamilton is that we're talking about these teams that are around them uh, we'll probably move on to Ross County very soon I think they'll be the ones that might come tumbling down and then that's who maybe one of Hearts or Hamilton can maybe get away with not being in the playoff if you like but I think one of Hearts and Hamilton will maybe finish bottom I think if Hearts continue with Joe Pereira and goals a lot of fans are resigned to finishing bottom so that is that'd be link. an incredible loan deal <laughs> to get a goalie in on loan <laughs> He is contract. This is so we're moving on. We're to, to move, we as well move on. Let's do it. Moving on to Celtic five Hearts nil. Hearts have a player in goals contracted to Manchester United. He's played a first team game for Manchester United. Yeah, but you're going on the name, not the actual state of the club at the moment. No, but it's right. You go on the name, for example, when Colin Murdoch signed for him. So, oh, he 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 played for Man United or Michael Stewart mm. played for Man United, but. I prefer Michael shooting goals. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I prefer both of them in goals. <laughs> it is, it, it's quite frankly um, absurd that he's continuing to play. And I think that's, uh, I think Saturday might see a new goalkeeper in the sticks for for Hearts. I mean, my theory was that surely Hearts have to pay Man United something if he doesn't yeah, I play. That's, I mean, that's, that's been a lot of the, that's been the talk. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's worth every penny. <laughs> yeah. Get it paid. I mean, how, how much would relegation cost Hearts versus how much would they have to pay Man United? Uh, they have to pay uh, Man United a couple of grand every week if he's not paying, they'd bloody well pay it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean the fans would say... Uh, uh, I mean, the Hearts fans are good for that. Yeah, yeah. Heart, I'd, love, I'd love the begging bolt to come out again for making sure Joe Pereira isn't playing. Now, that would... Hearts fans would be piling, piling up outside <laughs> the main camp. You know what you could do? You could just get two glass hands and put them outside tiny and tell people to shove just money in them. Yeah. <laughs> and then the hands can smash just like his own hands do whenever a shot comes near him. They, they, angry I mean it's like the Scottish version of everyone loves Raymond is now like everyone hates Joel because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, they'd be looking at the defending uh, the defenders after that first goal they all looked like they were going to slip over his slit his throat I was I was, I was trying to come because I was writing about it for uh, winners and losers from the midweek for the Scotsman and I was thinking of trying to think of an analogy and you know it, it just came in my head it reminded me of uh, not reminded me it was like uh the Hearts defence or the Hearts outfield players were like an, a lion enclosure at, at the zoo and the bumbling zookeeper comes in and startles them and they just look fucking angry <laughs> as anything. You're going to run the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah but he's, uh, he has to. He, <laughs> like Garuccio, I mean, when he made, was it Garuccio who made the two clearances off the line? Sort of double clearance on the line? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's a better goalie than Joe Pereira and he wasn't allowed to use his hands. 
And uh, like that was the best sort of part of the game that I saw. The best sort of saves being made was by him by his knees. The, the the frustrating thing was before we get into Celtic and Neil Lennon mentioned that after the game is that he was he said it was a new test for Celtic for a team to come to Celtic Park and really kind of go after them and press. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Did Hearts really change the way and they played? What no? In the first forty five minutes, it was a really Maybe they should. <laughs> it was a really encouraging performance that. They made it really difficult for Celtic in that they they were really brave in the positioning and their pressing. And Celtic struggled to play out. Foster had to kick it quite uh, uh, long, quite often, and it relied on the quality of Celtic, like the real quality of their one uh, one touch kind of one twos to create space. So they did create openings as they're always going to do. But Hearts matched them, and that was the frustrating thing is that it comes down to Pereira fucking up, and then you think right. After the Hearts reacted well after the goal, they continued to be aggressive in how they play, without really creating too many opportunities. And then, right, a perfect place to build on second half. Two minutes in, and it's another failing of Hearts. Their set piece defending Hearts is zonal. So it's zonal, yeah. and it's it's really bad because you look after five minutes. Christopher Julian sent in a warning because he just he ran from the edge of the box. This is six foot four Christopher Julian who's scored six goals prior to the uh, prior to the game. Just run ran in from the edge of the box, unmarked, unchecked, and headed over. And then you see that he just got in behind Halkett. Defenders have got no chance when there's a there's a person as a player as good as uh, Julian in the air running at getting a run on you and getting a run and jump. It's also really dangerous to play that way against this new incarnation of Celtic where it's a 3-5-2 where they've got three big guys. Samunovic uh, scored as uh, well, yeah, yeah exactly. Samunovic, you've got because I remember I saw it at the goal and then I looked around and I was like, wow, that is imposing when Ayer, Samunovic and Julian are all in the box. And, I, and it's not that I'm against zonal marking. I mean, I, I, mean, I think... Traditionally, stats would say that zonal marking does concede less goals. I think. I mean, that's maybe me. Something I read a long time ago it might not necessarily be true, but you see a lot of managers at the top level do use it. Um, I've always been a thought that why don't you mix it Hybrid. up? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, try not to give Berra and Levine too much credit, but that, that's what they did with Berra. Is that it was almost everyone can add a man, but Berra was given almost a free role when mm-hmm. it came to defending corners, and which is ideal for him because he just had to attack it, and he was he's really good at that. Yeah. yeah. And you keep it like there's loads of players like that that would that would really suit them down to the ground, but it's a very dangerous it's a very dangerous game to play against Celtic. The one thing I was going to uh, question, <laughs> I say the one thing. Uh, there's many. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was no nil up until uh, Anthony McDonald was taken off for Washington. So half an hour into the game, there was uh, a tactical switch. Um, it, I, I, there were obviously reasons for it, but it was very very amusing for me last night on Twitter. Seeing, you know, Hearts make an early tactical switch and then the very next update was 1-0 Celtic. It was. It kind of feeds back into what I was saying with the Hearts' approach to it. I think uh, McDonald is a very talented player, but I think Stendhal saw the start Hearts made and thought, I think if we could get more out of our attacking play, and I think he could, he's seen how well Hearts were kind of uh, doing in terms of press and making it difficult for Celtic. That with Washington, he's got more legs. I think he's he's quicker, more powerful than McDonald. They thought that's let, let's just kind of just go for it. Which it's in a way it's refreshing to to have a manager to do that at Celtic Park or yeah. Ibrox. Because how many times do we go? Oh, you know, we know what it's going to be like for our team. We're going to go there, sit ten men uh, ten men behind the ball, and almost surrender before a one nil. Does it feel that great if you get scudded five nil? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. But you're, you're kind of sorry. That's that. just my heavy sort of wank coming out there. Really, 
Move on, moving on to Celtic, they have been imperious since coming back from winter break. And it seems as if Callum McGregor followed around Rangers and just like took all of their energy <laughs> out of them as well, because he's come back from the winter break, absolutely so revit- yeah, yeah. revitalised. He's um, finally been given a rest, the guy must have been loving it. Even though he, he does strike you as someone who, the reason that he must play is, I know we slag off Lennon a bit and other managers about how often they use Cam McGregor, but he has to be a part of that. He must always be demanding to play whenever he's asked, yeah, I'm a fine boss. You've got to be that way. Um, he, he seems like he seems like the type who will um, who, who won't question. It's like he's he seems like the perfect team player. Like when and he's Len, come up, he's Len come up a, through well, when Scott Brown's around, and yeah. you can see like that. Some of that might have sort of rubbed off on him, if you like. But looking at looking at Celtic, the second half especially, they, they were fantastic. They, I think, a lot of credit has to go to Neil Lennon because he was criticised after the Rangers game. Really, so that Celtic were really poor at Parkhead. But he has been. He's, 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 I think he's he's kind of switched around and experimented with the formation, with like four two uh, four two three one. But due to injuries and Griffiths coming back in the fold, he's molded into a, a three five two, and it looks like it works really well for the moment. With and Cham, uh, it gives McGregor a bit more freedom, four goals and four assists since the, uh, the winter break, and. You know how you get partnerships, uh, striker partnerships, where they are um, they make certain movements, they just complement each other. I'm not sure Edward and Griffiths are, is that kind of partnership. I just think they're two very, very good players yeah. who are very instinctive, and so it work. It's, so sometimes it'll, uh, it just won't work. But there was times against Hearts where there were just little flicks around the corner, just little combinations, and like on their day, they would just they would just tear defences apart. Just watching Edwards, just it's a, it is a pleasure. Like, I think it's for the third game in a row where I've watched him where he's done that really neat sort of turn, mm-hmm. uh, the role where he where he's got his back to the defender, and it's so fluid the movement. And there's like no other player in the country who could do that on such a regular basis and make it look so almost bally. Uh, it looks so good. He's he's he is he's a pleasure to walk in, and, and it's and I think Lennon deserves a lot of credit for freshening it up. I think he done an article today where he was talking about uh, how it's how it's had such a big impact for them changing over because things can get stale when you win all the time. And mm. I, and I, it does I don't know it sounds silly because everyone enjoys winning all the time, but um, you're able to bring other players back into the fold. You're able to give players a new lease of life who maybe haven't before, and it keeps everyone on their toes because there's before you're thinking oh there's no way of Griffiths getting back in the team for example you can't move Edward there's no way you find this way and then suddenly you'll get a lot more out of certain players because oh Nicham for instance oh I can't get back now there's room for me uh, Forrest you can still keep playing him where he played at that right wing back right, Celtic don't need to worry too much defensively on that side so he can they can still fit in all their best players um, and then as I said they can become such a danger for the set pieces as well being able to put that back three um, yeah, they're, 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 there's no stopping them, is there? No, it's Frank. Hibs 3, Ross County now. Moving on. Oh, yeah, I went there. It was fucking freezing, man. Uh, yes, I, I earlier in the week I considered it after filming to head along to Easter Road and then when I was getting on the bus on the way back, like... I'm so glad I had no intention of going there. It's one of those really strange ones. Like, yeah, like it was uh, a really a good performance, obviously, for Hibs and winning three 0 at home is always good. But it was still quiet. There was no atmosphere for it because everyone was just bloody frozen. Uh, it was like when you first came in, I thought it was like a minute silence. So it was that quiet. <laughs> the Ross County fans looked 
fucking miserable. <laughs> All 40 of them over there, they looked absolutely miserable for the whole 90 minutes. Even when they were getting, he had a few chances, he barely even heard it. Oh, it was just like everyone just standing there, just frozen. I mean, for them, they would have travelled at least four hours and in storm conditions, thinking, am I actually going to get to the game here? Mm-hmm. They would have had to have gone the long way around as yeah. well. Just, oh, yeah. And I then turn up and see Greg Dockery slipping seamlessly uh, into his role it, for Hibs. It, it, it did seem like it was one of those where anyone, well, not anyone, three or four candidates for a man of the match. Yeah, Hibs were, Hibs were, so both teams sort of lined up with a 3-5-2. Uh, the problem for counties is that their three has Watson, Don, Donaldson and, and Fontaine and Donaldson's form sort of fallen off mm-hmm. right after we were all giving him praise. I think I heard on here giving him praise about the upturn his form. It was it's fantastic went, against Hearts, but yeah. that's Hearts. <laughs> and then he, he, he really dropped down. Hibs went with Jackson, uh, Hanlon and McGinn mm-hmm. as a back three and I think it worked pretty well. I've been talking about a back three, maybe not off air amongst friends because I think it's a good way of Hibs squeezing all their best players since they brought Doherty in. McNulty's not come to sit on the bench, whether we like it or not. He's gonna he's gonna be playing, uh, and uh, you can still fit Boyle and Scott Allen all into that team. The interesting part was playing Joe Newell at left wing back. That was the biggest shock, and, and Stevenson being completely taken out of the team. And I think we can see that Jack Ross is not scared to make changes. And I mean that before games with his lineup and during games he makes subs pretty early, quite a lot. They're always different. He's not one of those player managers who makes that repetitive sub on seventy minutes. It's, it's always the same. Uh, and Doherty is is he's absolutely brilliant. And it was I was so happy when Hibbs signed him because he was so good at Hamilton. You knew what again. His face doesn't fit at Rangers. I get it. He's maybe not quite as easy on the eye as Jack Davis and Kamara. And I understand the way they move through the lines, Rangers. That it maybe doesn't quite suit Doherty's up and at them style, but. At Hibs, it was everything that they were lacking. And Slivka played, um, and he was outstanding in there as well, which meant Omiongo wasn't playing. But yeah, there was, it was, I mean, in terms of man of the match, you'd be looking at um, Doherty, Slivka, uh, and Boyle. And this, Boyle's added so much to his game now that it doesn't matter if you play him, you can have him right wing back because driving for deep's fine. He won, like, three players got booked for fouling him during the game. He just run because he's, he's so. played there before. Yeah, and he's played there before. And it's just. It's, I, I think Lennon could take credit. I think that's added a lot to his game, being played at right wing back. And then you saw against Hearts that they moved Boyle at a striker role. And he was really good in that game as well. It just, no matter where you're putting Boyle, and that's brilliant for a manager being able to go, however I fancy Boyle, I'll definitely play him. I'll play him in behind the striker. I'll play him on the wing. Play him right wing back. I'll play him up front. And you're getting, like, a good 8 out of 10 performance out of him every time. Watching the highlights, it it did seem that Hibs could be a really good counter-attacking direct team because you look at we've got Omiongo's really good at driving Doherty's brilliant at taking the ball from A to B and I think that's something that Jack Ross mentioned when he signed him he really wanted to bring that into the uh, the team we mentioned Martin Boyle he uh, when I talk about Doherty taking the ball from A to B Boyle can take it from A to Z yeah 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 you guys absolutely unreal it's it's good I actually think Hibs um, I think we're playing back three at the back. It might help us stop leaking so many mm-hmm. goals. And then outside of that, I think Hibs maybe had as good a window as anyone in January in terms of like with Omionga, Doherty, and now McNulty coming in. Getting rid of Maxwell and Vela. Getting rid of Maxwell and Vela. And um, obviously, and bringing in McGinn because it means that obviously guys that really don't look up to it anymore, unfortunately, wearing it with Gray and obviously with Naismith being injured. Uh, I think Hibs could maybe go on and have a really strong second half and I would 
and it's frustrating that maybe we're a bit too far away mm. from third. But I think if we Jackson had a really good game yesterday as well. But go to Ross County, they were put the game was played quite strangely. It was like almost because after the wind and the rain, this is quite a pretty match to watch. Uh, and I mean that from both teams. Even Ross County didn't really get anywhere anywhere near the goal they had two good chances to the game but outside of that they didn't really trouble Hibs but there was a lot of pretty football being mm. played to the midfield it was like people were enjoying it but I also thought it had that nobody fancied a 50-50 in that um, in that weather and I think that really suited Hibs with guys like Allen and Boyle if nobody's going to get right into their face you're going to give them time Hibs are going to without forward players you're going to get really hurt and with Hibs scoring really early with that amazing pass from, from Scott Allen again, I mean, you take it for granted almost, you see it that often. Uh, he makes a sort of decision. The pass is so good, he makes a decision for three guys. Three guys make a decision based on it so quickly. The goalie comes out because he thinks he can get there, but it's so perfectly backspinning that he just doesn't quite get there. McNulty's able to make a decision split that I can just hit this first time and the defender gets completely lost he sort of manipulated like three people all at once mm. with one pass which is such a, a brilliant thing to see but yeah it was quite a strange match Not that it wasn't a typical Scottish football up and at them way and I do think the weather was that and once Hibs scored early Ross County didn't fancy it they didn't fancy it they, uh, they, they never really got into Hibs they never really worked Hibs very hard in the middle of the park um, and as I said it made it quite a enjoyable watch on the eye but really in my head I was thinking people aren't putting it in like they normally would people are, don't fancy this everyone wants to fuck off home. <laughs> uh, that's how I saw it before we fuck off home <laughs> Aberdeen 3 Hamilton well Hamilton 1 Aberdeen 3 Tuesday night's game not only did Aberdeen score they scored from open play Curtis Main scored from open play they scored more than once and we what? also need to talk about what Curtis Main's goal actually is like yeah. wow what is going on? Um, no, I think this was as much about Hamilton having one of those days as anything else. Um, and obviously, um, it's a little bit of a blow for them losing. It looks like Brian Easton's going to be out fairly long term. Yeah, that was with the nasty the, um, one. I th- was it McGinn that he went over? Yeah. Um, uh, we went over Maine. He went over Maine. Maine. Um, and then up in the air and landed on, turns out it was a shoulder, I thought it was his head, because he landed like a sack of spuds yeah. on the ground and just was not moving. Um, so yeah, I was really worried about him for a while, and then he yeah. sat up, and I was just like, "Well, thank God." And I think am I right in saying that Templeton's Temple went off at half time. He, he, went def- off. he got. I think he was. He picked up something in the. He picked some. Picked up something in the warm up, and I think he took a couple of knocks during the first half as well. Yeah. So there's you can know feel, have, kind of feel for them a bit. I mean, they can't really afford. I don't feel for them at all. Well, yeah, and, and Europe is well. Maybe maybe the reason I feel for them is for the same reason you don't, uh, if you like. But uh, Aberdeen were pretty impressive. I thought McGeoch had his best game since he he's turned up. Uh, Kennedy looked really free. He had a bit of freedom. They went. They changed their formation as well. It was, didn't straight, they? It was, a, it was a strange one because to to give Derek McInnes his due, he has he, he said that he's been trying to change things and he has changed things. He's dropped he dropped Cosgrove. He dropped uh, Logan for this game. He went to Rangers and had uh, even though it's now now had a go as as Tom said on a recent podcast. And then he's seen the the the, the lineup on Tuesday. He's played a three five two ish and he's used two wingers effectively in the wing back roles 
basically just saying we are better than Hamilton. We're going to uh, overload of, them with yeah, our so best players. We, yeah, we, we're kind of we're going to go there and put our game plan. We're not going to react to what Hamilton are doing because McInnes is a very reactive manager to what other teams are doing. We're just going to go there and uh, just put across our game plan and just just force the issue. I'm oh, sorry, Gary. I thought you were going to step in there, but uh, yeah, Curtis Main's goal absolutely what delicious. Like the the pa- I think the two types of players as well that are as strongly involved is it, it's laid off from Ojo to Constantine, uh, and then Constantine plays like a wonderful sort of weighted sort of whipped pass down the left hand side. Which Constantine's Constantine's got his as uh, a talented player and he's been around for years, but that's not something we normally associate, like, with, him, yeah. associate with him. And then Curtis Main giving you like the most deft. Intelligent finish. Definitely don't associate with that. So it was quite uh, when I saw the. I think people on the chat were. I even asked who made the pass because I was confused about how that goal mm. came about and in the sort of high quality of it. But uh, Hamilton weren't. Uh, I think it was Woods. Woods. Yeah, it's um, was he t- Sam. Sam Woods, yeah, who's Sam Woods. on loan from Crystal Palace. Yes, um, at half time. Rubbish. Yep. Um, and funnily enough. There's something about Crystal Palace defenders because remember Dundee had Ryan Innes yes. on loan from Crystal Palace last season, and you automatically think, as you probably thought with Joel Pereira from Man United, um, oh brilliant, a proper English Premier League player coming up on loan. Okay, he might be young, he might be raw, but he's going to give us something. Um, but all he gives is problems, yeah, really, and just gives away goals. Um, and it's really not what Hamilton needs. I mean, main main love playing against someone like that, a young player coming up who's maybe not cut his teeth before and then you've got a battering ram uh, and main enjoyed himself he deserves a lot yeah, of credit because I mean we have all we have all done it and everyone else on this planet has written yeah, off yeah. Curtis Main I thought his, his all round performance was yeah. was excellent he just he just looked he looked like the Curtis Main who arrived at Motherwell we, mind, mind that goal he scored against was it Rangers in the semi yeah definitely Aberdeen, Aberdeen, Aberdeen in the semi final yeah. the reason he, that he's probably at that club right now yeah, yeah. where he just terrorised the face. he's got that he's got that about him but it's just it's one of those that's not just worked yet but on his performance, he should be starting against the Celtic on Sunday. You could get Cosgrove back in, and it could be because I know it's similar to like um, like you're saying maybe about Edward and Griffiths, uh, and maybe even the Dodge McNulty style is they don't see they don't really think of them as like they would work that well together. Maybe Cosgrove and Main are the same, but maybe they would just so strong there'd be so much to handle for for teams, and they've got good quality in in wide areas that. If you've got Kennedy and McGinn playing, I mean, is McGinn playing in behind the striker? Yeah, McGinn was playing up front with um, with me. Yeah, so I mean, that's the fact. Like people have been screaming for that, mm. uh, so I'm surprised McKinnis has done it because I get, get the feeling that McKinnis is someone who does read message boards. Uh, I would definitely think that was the kind of thing. That, <laughs> and just do the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes that might be the issue. I think Aberdeen fans should just always say he's doing really well, and then he'll just change things just despite them. Um, but that was a huge result for McKinnis because it was the first time in his tenure where. You were hearing murmurs. Um, it wasn't just bar; it was chance of like basically get the fuck about by them, and then hearing murmurs in the media yeah. and around that maybe there was getting out in there. So he'll enjoy that one. And again, he strikes me as a guy that really would enjoy getting up people like definitely yeah, because he would have been. I think. I mean, I predicted that Akis would win that game because it's the sort of game that Akis win yeah. at home to a team that is clearly much better than them on paper at least. Um, but losing, uh, if he'd lost that game, then. You know, you're going into a game against Celtic at the weekend. Celtic in the form they're in are not going to lose to anybody. Um, so lose that game, lose to Celtic, and then you would probably have a situation where he is going to Rugby Park in a cup replay, knowing that if he loses that, 
the season it. could be up God, in smoke as well. Um, Perez instead now, um, I mean, Celtic, I suppose Aberdeen fans might view this game against Celtic as not a free pass, but, you know, there's not as much pressure on it. And then that will allow them to just go positively into the replay against Kelly. It's amazing to, how quickly things change. Yeah, Dodge, Main, and Kane all scoring in the same weekend. <laughs> well, I think you're gonna. That will lead us quite on now. So on to what the Patreon's going to be after this, isn't yes, it? Yes, Patreon's going to be on. Is do we do we write off players too quickly? But before, uh, some, fuck, I, I forgot that I can't stop it and, uh, and edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the new zero. But yeah, so we're going to uh, move across to Patreon just now and and talk about players who. Um, who've been written off maybe too quickly, who have come back and uh, rubbed it in our noses. But thanks very much for listening. Just to let you know that the TV show is back on Friday, half past ten on BBC Scotland channel. Yes, that's Valentine's Day. And yes, we are all losers, so we know... No, we, we'll we don't get any, we don't we're not in a commercial Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is for wanks. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I've been to Clements. <laughs> why can't you just treat each other nice randomly? Why Danny? I don't need a bloody day to tell me uh, to maybe take my girlfriend out or to buy or something I don't do it anytime so why would I do it then there we go consistency <laughs> that's yeah, exactly all that's all women want it's consistency <laughs> like we want a referee yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knows I'm going to, if I go to the pub I'm not coming back till very very late she knows so it's easy it's very Alan Brazil because <laughs> I've got this new, this new studio is making me feel like Alan Brazil I'm going to go burst bright red and I'm going to explode very soon <laughs> <laughs> well, what a wonderful what what a wonderful way to end it. <laughs> Valentine's Day is for wanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 